welcome to another episode of the Joy for Ministry podcast. Today, I sit down and have a conversation with Deanna Harrison. Deanna is the author of Moving On, Surviving the Grief of Forced Termination, and she started Pastors Hope Network, which is an amazing organization she is going to tell you about. Take a listen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to finally get and to sit down and talk with you. And like I was saying before, I've stumbled upon your book. Why don't you just take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, uh, Deanna Harrison. I have been married to my best friend, whose name is Scott, for over 42 years. Wow. We have two adult children, both married. We have a son and a daughter, both are married. And we have three precious grandsons. Aw. are just... I am so thankful for Skype and, and FaceTiming and all that wonderful stuff. Yeah, they're, they're just fabulous. Are you not close to them in proximity? Well, we are 11 hours away from our son and his wife, and they have two little boys. And just since, oh, let me think, about five months now, we, we have been 30 minutes away from our other grandson. So we oh. moved back in September and we're now close to our daughter and her family. And it has just been wonderful to be close. That's so nice. So tell us about your ministry. How long have you been in ministry and tell us about pastors hope network. All right. Well, officially, I guess I've been in ministry for 42 years because when Scott and I married, um, we went straight to his first pastorate. I mean, literally the wedding and then, you know, to the parsonage and then we were there. So, you know, been in in ministry for 42 years, but I was a minister's daughter. And so I grew up in, in ministry. I really haven't known anything else really. That's just what my life has always been. That was very helpful when I married a minister to have had the experience of, growing up in a a pastor's home. Um, But our, the, the organization I uh, head up is called Pastors Hope Network. And we're a nonprofit that is literally a network of professionals who care about wounded ministers in their families. We work specifically with ministers who have had to leave their churches under difficult circumstances. So they've wow. been forced to resign. And, you know, it happens for all different reasons. Maybe there were, it was a forced resignation or termination, uh, maybe pressured retirement, uh, staff downsizing, maybe a marriage fell apart and they had to leave but for whatever reason the the minister has had to leave the church um, under difficult circumstances. And so we provide professional counseling, which what that means is we have professional counselors in our network and we underwrite the majority of the cost of the counseling. Wow. Um, then we provide financial guidance. Mm-hmm. We um, just answer ministers' questions. And again, we have financial planners, uh, wealth management people in our network who offer their services. They volunteer their time 
to help ministers answer those really tough questions of, do I dip into my retirement funds? Should I sell my house? Should I, should I, should I, what do I do? You know? Um, And so uh, the, our financial partners will just help ministers uh, figure all those things out. Um, And then we, offer resume preparation and job search assistance. So really we do the very basic practical things that a minister needs while they're trying to figure out what in the world they're supposed to do. Wow. That's, Um, that's incredible uh, because you don't know that you're going to need this until you actually need it. So to have this resource is really amazing. I think you're not, nobody's prepared for it. You're not expecting it. So right. I think that's amazing. It, it is. Um, yeah, you're, yeah, you don't know it's coming. And so, uh, and to my knowledge, so there, there may be another organization that, that does this kind of thing. But to my, to my knowledge, we're the only ones who work specifically with pastors who've been made to resign. Right. Uh, there are a lot of wonderful organizations that uh, are for ministers. There are lots of retreat centers. They're great counseling places. I mean, just a lot of great organizations, but we are, we're unique in that we reach out to those who've been, been pushed out of the church. Uh, And because when that happens, um, the minister loses his entire community. Yeah. You know, so we try to step into that void and sort of provide a little bitty community of, of right. folks who will walk alongside a minister and, and his family right. um, and just help them through all the, the ickiness, all the ugliness that they have to deal right. with. Because unfortunately, it's one of those things that when you're walking through it, your, your community of church is gone. And unless people know what it's like, it's hard for them to come around you. So right. this is so great because you have this community that they they understand. And so I love that, that there's a place that you can go that's like, we're embracing you, we understand, because it's not something that people understand unless you walk through it. Right. And and one thing, uh, an analogy that I use about our ministry is that we're the we're like paramedics. And and when paramedics show up to the scene of a of an accident they don't say who caused this. They don't say what happened. Um, Their only purpose is to say, who's hurt? How are you hurt? And how do we get you on the road to healing? Mm. And that is our purpose. Uh, If a minister wants to tell us all the ugly stuff of what led to his resignation, that's fine. Um, I prefer they just tell all that to the counselor. You know, the yeah, counselor right. is, is trained to help them work through those things. So we as an organization, we don't we don't vet the ministers to say, well, now what did you do? No, it's not right. our purpose. Our only purpose is you are hurt. You've been wounded. We want to help you heal. Um, right. Because God's not through with you. Mm. And so that that's our purpose. So, um that's what that's what we do. I think that's so special. I was talking with somebody who she actually interviewed me um, just for her. She's doing her dissertation on forced termination. I I know that she's um, she's just an amazing lady, and she was telling me that forty percent of pastors who walk through this don't go back into ministry. 
And there's so many people that are hurt and don't have the resources and to find a place that offers healing and hope is, um, is so needed, I think. And it's, it's so important. It is because if we can help ministers to heal, then hopefully if God leads them to, they go on to another ministry. And so they continue doing what God's calling to do. They continue using those years of education and training that they have. Um, but I also believe that God uses a lot of uh, folks in um, other ministries that are not considered church ministries. Just Absolutely. because you're, yeah, just because your paycheck does not have a church name on it does not mean that you're not that God's not using you in ministry. Um, right. My husband and I were both in nonprofit work for mm -hmm. 10 years. And after we left uh, official church work and uh, during that time, he did supply preaching and he would be an interim pastor for a church for maybe a year at a time. But but during the week, um, we work for nonprofits. And there are a lot of hurts and needs and wounded people that you have an opportunity to minister to through your that work. So uh, you still continue to minister, but many times you just have to kind of redefine what ministry is, especially if yes. you have always had a church name on your paycheck, you know. Right. Sure. Yes. And before I hit the record button, we were talking and um, I was this is what I just love so much about finding you. I was searching for resources. I, my husband, and I had walked through a painful church, her, a forced termination. And like I was saying to you, I didn't even know that word existed. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. And you talk. So I, I think finding your book was the first time I even heard that word. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, telling your story and, you know, sharing in your, what you walked through, it is, it offers hope to people because they can say, in, instead of hiding in shame, like this happened to me, they say, oh, like, yes, me too. That happened to me too. And I love um, that I right. found you and that you wrote that book. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like to walk through that and what prompted you or what pushed you to write that book? Okay. Well, um, my husband, my husband pastored for over 30 years. Uh, we literally, as we got, we got married and he was in seminary and um, I was a 21 year old pastor's wife. And, and we were in a wow. little church where I taught a Sunday school class of elderly ladies. I mean, it was, it was a hoot. Um, but, but he pastored for over 30 years and we um, experienced what could only be described as a coup d'etat led by a disgruntled staff person. And between the time we even knew anything was wrong till the time we were told to leave was two weeks. Wow. It was incredibly sudden. Um, just, I mean, we had no warning, no warning signs. Um, and we learned after the fact that there had been the secret meetings. And when my husband was out of town on church business, there were more secret meetings and it was very well orchestrated. But nevertheless, um, 
being forced to resign a church that you just dearly love is it's just devastating. Mm. And it's immediately uh, isolating because no one knows what to do with you. And quite frankly, it's death. Mm. It's not physical death, but it is the death of your ministry. It's the death of relationships that you have built for years and years. You have poured into people's lives and all of a sudden it's the death of those relationships. It's the death of your dreams, your death of your plans for the future. Suddenly you don't know, <laughs> well, you don't know what, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. So, um, it literally, we, it took us months and months of, of just staying right where we were, but trying to figure out what we were supposed to do. Cause we were just in a, a very difficult time of, of shock. It was also back in the end of 2008 during the mortgage crisis, the one back then that, um, when nobody was hiring. Um, wow. so what we happened to be in a huge metropolitan area so we just changed our direction of where we would go and we would we started shopping at different stores and we started we attended a mega church in um, the city that where we could just blend in and be invisible right but we eventually made our way back to our home state we were able to sell our home moved in with my father-in-law who was a widower and um, for seven months we lived with him until we were able to find jobs well fast forward about five or six years and god just really put it on my heart that i was supposed to write an account not of of what happened, but of what it took for us to um, put our lives back together. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, the reason I didn't write about what happened was because even five years later, I was still traumatized by it. I was fearful. We were had been forced to sign a non-disclosure document uh, in order to get any severance which I now have heard the term hush money and from other pastor's wives. And uh, so I, I was really still traumatized by that. I thought, okay, they made me sign that document saying I wouldn't say anything. So I wasn't going to say anything. So the book is not about what we went through at the church. It really is about what it took to rebuild. Wow. Um, so when I wrote it, I didn't know if I would publish it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. It was just an act of obedience. I knew I was supposed to write it. So I did. It took about a year to write. Um, it was very therapeutic. Um, the process of writing it helped me to understand that everything I had been wrestling with for years um, was part of grief and it was part of that grief process. So it was it was very therapeutic for me to write. And I have found that because I didn't tell exactly what happened, I can now, it took years, but I've now been able to figure out the way to describe it. It's just a coup d'etat. And most ministers who are, that they, they think, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That just kind of explains it without going into details. Um, 
but writing it without telling our details has allowed other ministers and their spouses who read it to put their own stories. They can insert their own specific details right. and identify with, with the grief process. Right. Cause um, all of that's, I'm sure the same details are different, right? but you can relate to the, the feelings, the grief, the heartache, the loss of community, the death, and yes. also putting it back together, how, you know, that you can provide guidance on that. It was something you walk through and you're, you know, that's something everybody has to do. So the story's different. Right. All of those things people need to hear because they, they're walking through it. Yes. And, and I've had some pastor's wives say, you've given me permission mm. to grieve. You've given me permission uh, to face these things, or you, you've, you've helped me understand that this, yeah, I'm grieving. So yes, this is why I'm angry. This mm. explains why I, the anger keeps resurfacing, or this explains why you know I'm, I'm sad, or whatever. And one thing I learned through the whole process, and then looking at grief, is that it's everybody grieves in different ways. We grieve at different rates. And right. we move through different parts of grief. Uh, grief is not linear. It's not nice and neat and tidy. You don't finish stage one and then you go on to stage two and then to stage three. Uh, it's it's a it's a messy process. Right. Um, my husband and I grieved very differently, and yes. I think what what you have to allow your spouse to grieve however they grieve. There's no right way or wrong way. It's just however you grieve. Right. And you can't, you can't get around it. Right. You know, joy folks can, can try to, you know, say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to have an abundant life and I'm going to choose to move ahead with joy. And yes, but you've got to deal with the grief. It will one way or another, you have to go through the grief. Yes. And so, um, I think that's sometimes difficult for ministers, people in ministry. Uh, I know I was the, um, <laughs> I was very guilty of just claiming scriptures uh, and, and, and hoping that the, by claiming those scriptures that it was going to, you know, heal wow. my heart without doing the work of dealing with the grief. Wow. It's like you said, even husband and wife grieve differently over this it's the same thing that happened. Right. I, and I, it was fascinating to me to find that my husband, who, like, if you really think about it, like he was walking through this, in my opinion, more than I was, you know, right. I have my, my job outside of our church. And, and I was always so fascinated at how we grieved differently. And I needed to talk about it so much and process yes. it. And I don't understand, I would go over the same thing. And you know, he used to say things to me like, like, I can't talk about it anymore. You know, right. and I, yes, it, it, it's hard. And, um, but it really is, you're two different people dealing with the same thing, just dealing with it differently. Yes. And I, I, it gives me such joy to hear you say, you know, that people reach out and, and can relate because what I think has happened in, is when you feel like you're alone or don't know that this happens to other people, you're embarrassed. 
Yes. For, for like the first six months, I, I was embarrassed. And right. I felt like I had to explain over and over, like I would, I would want to explain what happened so that people could see you. it's not us. Right. Like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. And especially if they've forced you to sign a non-disclosure agreement, yeah. then you, you can't say anything. And it's a part of the embarrassment comes from you can't defend yourself. Right. And, you know, people wonder, right. I mean, depending on how the church handles it, um, many times it just, people have questions and they're like, well, surely the church just wouldn't have just tossed them aside for no reason, right? Yeah, and you can't, you can't say anything. Right. Um, and, and part of it is, I, I just think my husband was the most godly man, the most, a man of integrity. Mm. And he wasn't going to do anything that was going to hurt the church yep. family. And so in so many cases, the minister won't say anything because he's not going to do anything to hurt the church right. family. Right. Um, and they very well could. I, you know, I see even in my husband, it, he would, the, his line that he would say to me is you can't control other you can't control what happens you can't control other people i can control myself and right. my character and yes. no matter what i'm going to make sure my character is right before the lord and sometimes that would bother me yes <laughs> but exactly. now i am so thankful because i truly believe and you could speak into this um I truly believe that how you leave affects where you're going. And I also really saw that until I surrendered what happened, I couldn't walk fully into the next place and surrender. It was, it's a constant, even now there's times I have to surrender, but until I started that process, I couldn't right. walk into what he had for us next. So I'm yes. so thankful. My husband was like that and it trickled down onto me, but I was right. like, I have to um, leave well so I can walk into the other place well, whatever the other place was. Right, right. And that is one of the um, purposes of Pastors Hope Network is to give ministers the support they need during a transitional time because you need some time to process what happened to make sure you have resolved whatever is going on within you so that you don't drag it to the next place. Right. And, and if, if ministers um, don't have some sort of a support system to help them guide them through a transition and they feel compelled to just hurry right into the next church or the right, the next place, and they haven't had time to heal. Right. And all those hurts just come with them and that's not healthy right so what was the healing process like for you was it healing to write this was it do you feel like um you can speak into other pastors wives or pastors and tell them a little bit of like what your journey of healing was like yes it, it took a very long time for me to heal 
um, because we were so traumatized by um, how things happened. But what I can say to ministers and their spouses is I am living proof that you're going to survive no matter what you've been through, no matter how ugly the situation was, you will survive. And there are times when you think you're not going to, um, but you will. And God will redeem um, all the pain. Yes. Um, what was healing for me was, was it was very therapeutic to write uh, moving on. But it was also what God did was he took the response I got from people who read moving on. It's moving on, surviving the grief of forced termination. And they I got emails from from pastors who read it and said, oh, my goodness, this is the first thing I have read that really describes what I'm going through. Um, I had emails from pastors wives saying, here's my phone number. Would you please call? And I would call and and we would talk or mainly I would listen for like an hour. Um, I got off of one phone call. It lasted two hours. And you would think that I would have been drained. But I got off that phone call energized. Wow. And I thought, okay, this is significant that this that the talking with these pastors wives and encouraging them is is energizing to me. And that is those emails and phone calls are what God used to really plant the seeds to launch Pastors Hope Network. Um, And it meant it was a scary walk of faith because I had to I was leaving a job that I'd had for nine years. I had a steady, steady paycheck. And uh, it was like just taking the biggest step of faith off the cliff and and God's been faithful, but he, he used that. And that's what's been so, it really has helped me to continue to heal. Mm. Um, I don't think you ever get over it. I mean, there are still times when I, if I stop and really think about what happened, it's like, it's so bizarre. I just, yeah. I really can't, uh, it's just, it's still hard to believe, but wow. just like you don't get over the death of a, of a close loved one, of a, of a child or a spouse. I mean, you learn a different way to live and, right. and you learn a different way to move forward, but you don't get over it. Right. Um, and, and part of me is glad that I still remember all the things that we went through because then when I talk to someone who's, who is in the thick of it, I'm like, yeah, I, I know yeah. <laughs> a bit there. And, and, and there's nothing that someone will say to me that will surprise me, mm. um, that there's nothing that will cause me to think, oh, well, they're a pretty weak Christian. No, no, no. <laughs> in right. the in the depths of our grief, um, we're just all we're there, I don't know. I don't think Christians are immune from any of the grief. We have hope. We don't right. grieve as those those without hope. But the grief is still raw and it is yeah. still very real. Yeah. And and one thing I, I I provide for pastors' wives especially is just a listening ear. Because as as you mentioned, 
your husband didn't want to talk about it all the time. Right. But it helped you to talk. And I think it because we're wired the way we are, most women, we we do heal and we process by talking. Um, And so I can be that listening ear and, and women can tell me all the the ugly stuff and they can they can cry and 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 I'm I'm there and I understand and um I can cry with them. Um, I think that's so important. I think you feel so alone and to have that person that you can unload to. I, I want to do yes. like a whole podcast on non-disclosure um agreements. <laughs> I'm like really surprised it comes up a lot in, in when I talk to people, I've heard of non-disclosure, a lot of non-disclosure agreements. I mean, you know, faster within like 90 miles of where they were, like you hear, oh, these, wow. you know, so and, they couldn't and, then go start an, an, a church down the road and yeah, no, they had to uproot their whole family. So, yes. you, you know, you hear about these things, but I think it's so important to have that person that you can talk to without fear of what are they going to think or and somebody right. that understands. And, you know, I, your, your story is so hopeful. And I know that you can't say to somebody when they've just walked through it, or, or maybe you have to be careful in how you say like, God is going to use this and, and it's, it's, he's going to redeem this. It's going to be amazing. Cause obviously you're not at that point yet where you can hear that. Right. But I said to somebody today, somebody sent me this lovely text message about what the podcasts have meant to them. And to me, I'm like, you know, um, she was pointing out different things that different pastors, wives or women in ministry have said. And I was like, I said to my husband, this makes it worth it. What we went through. I never thought I would say that. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, I you, understand. You get to that point where you see God using it. And in not just this, in all things, in all things, ministry and life, you go through something painful. And when you see God use it, it's just so rewarding to see that pain used for something good. Yes. Yes. It, it gives meaning to it. It really does. Yes. I love that. So you wrote moving on. What did your husband think of that? Was he encouraging you to write it? Was it something that he was concerned about? What was it like for him? Well, he, he was 100% supportive. I have uh, been very blessed with a husband who has always said, Deanna, you figure out what God's calling you to do and I'll support you in it. Uh, he's never told me there have been times when I have wanted him to tell me what to do. And he was like, no, you, you need to pray it through and you figure it out. He's always been very supportive in that way. So, and as I said, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it, but after I wrote it, um, he didn't read it until after I'd finished the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then he was very supportive of having it published. But um, again, I was still so traumatized that um, his name is nowhere in the book. I never call him by name. I refer to him as my husband. The reader never knows what state we live in. Uh, they never know what denomination our church was. I mean, I, I mean, I left out all that kind of identifying detail again, out of uh, just still being so nervous to even write our story. Um, but yeah, he was, 
incredibly um, supportive. Our, our, our daughter was just, she was proud. Our son, who had been in college at the time, he just said, wow, you, y'all shielded me from a lot. Uh, I didn't, you know, and, and I remember my husband saying, when you have kids one of these days, you'll understand that a parent will try to protect their child from as much hurt and pain as possible. And, wow. you know, um, yeah, so um, it was very interesting to, to see people's reactions and it was all very, uh, very supportive. Um, people who knew us in our new life, we had relocated and had, we had had new jobs and people knew us. They knew we had been, uh, that Scott had been a pastor before, but they never knew our story. Uh, and so it was interesting and very um, uplifting and gratifying when folks learned our story uh, right. and were um, very supportive. Mm. So you, I'm going to touch back on the kids thing a little bit. I, we were not necessarily able to shield our kids as much, you know, they, they were younger and they knew they had to leave and they saw the pain. And um, so you were a minister's daughter. Did your parents shield you from, from things? And do you feel like in some way you wish they didn't so you know what you were getting into ministry wise <laughs> i i it's a hard question to ask but i'm i'm so curious for my own kids like if my kids go into ministry well i have wanted to prepare them better by showing them more hurt or not showing them more hurt do you know what i'm saying <laughs> i do and and i don't know the answer to that um my dad was a pastor up through, see, I was in the fourth grade when he went to work for our denominational offices. So during my teenage years, I wasn't a preacher's kid. Mm. And so our pastor's kid, and that's very different. Um, so I, I honestly, I don't even know how to, to answer that question for, for parents who have uh, young kids growing up. I think that's one of the toughest thing, things that um, ministry couples have to deal with is, is raising kids in mm. what's been described as a fishbowl. Um, you know, it's just, they're in the spotlight and, and that's good and bad. I mean, right. there are people, there are people who love them and dote on them because they're the minister's kids, but that in itself sets them apart. And so they know they're different right. because they're the preacher's kid. And right. that that's a tough thing, but there's no getting around it. Right. Um, you know, so I, I know our kids, they just wanted to be kids. Right. They didn't want to be judged by a different standard than their friends. And, um, and that's, that's hard. It really yeah. is. It's difficult. Right. It's, it's difficult to it's, say you don't want to. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think well, it's I a balance. Thinking, um, yes. Yeah. You do have to balance things out and um, it, it's okay to let them, you know, skip church on if well, back in the day when we had church on Sunday nights, you know, 
okay, you've got a major test tomorrow, stay home and study. Oh, that's just, to a lot of people, that's just, you know, wrong. Um, but so that to try to find the balance of letting yeah. them just be kids. Um, my mother, I remember growing up, she always said that she wanted to be the same person as a pastor's wife as she would have been if she wasn't a pastor's wife. Right. That she still wanted to to have that same relationship with the Lord and still love people and still take care of people. And so she didn't see herself as any different because she was a pastor's wife from the person she felt like God wanted her to be anyway, mm. if that makes any sense. <laughs> I, it makes total sense. And I love that. And that's something that's just a challenge for me, even with my, my kids and my family know, being that same person. So what are, you know, you work with um, in this pastor's network and I, I love that you talk about things from finances to counseling, some things that are not talked about, some things that are more hush hush. We don't necessarily talk about ministry and I love that. Um, so as you're, as you've been working with pastors and pastors, wives and ministry couples, what are some things that you see that are common struggles? You know, I think one of the common struggles that ministry couples have is spending quality time together away from church activities. Um, I mean, you spend so much time at the church either preparing for or carrying out church activities. And those few moments when you are away from the church, you're exhausted or you're trying to take care of the things that have to be done at home, you know, like the laundry and cleaning and whatever it might be. And so finding that time when you can spend quality time together is really, really hard. Now, there is one thing that, that universally people tend to do, and that is they respect your calendar. And so my husband found years ago that if you put something on your calendar and then somebody wants you to do something that you literally say, I already have this date on my calendar. It's, it's, already, it's already booked. And so, and people tend to, they're in some ways they're okay with that and so I would encourage ministry couples to sit down with your calendars and find a time whether it's a a weekly or monthly date night or a weekend but you put that on your calendar and you protect that time and in you and your spouse get away spend and, and if it you don't have any money to go somewhere, then just go on a picnic, go walk for a hike, do something though, when it's just you. Um, And you got to do it without the kids. I mean, sometimes yes, have family things, family game night or whatever, but you and your spouse need to spend time just, just the two of you. And it's vital to do that because if you're, if you're not right with your spouse, you're not going to be the best minister you can be. If things are falling apart at home, you can't be the best minister you can be. So 
um, you have to do that and you have to educate your church family to the importance of it. Right. Right. That's good. I often said when we walked through our church hurt, I would look back and see the times I sacrificed so much family time or kid time. And I was like mad at myself. I was like, that <laughs> I was unbalanced. And I think what that did was it opened my eyes to bring us back in balance, you know, keep that good. of higher importance than we had made it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. Uh, to, to get out of balance. Um, and I, my husband, from the moment, from the time our daughter was three weeks old until she went off to college 18 years later, every Wednesday night, they had a date. And oh. the church knew that. They, and, and because they would go, he would, they would go out to dinner and maybe go to the mall before they went to church on Wednesday nights. And, and people got used to seeing them out and about. And it was like, oh, that's that's Brother Scott and, and, and their daughter, and he's got a date night. And that meant she knew that Wednesday night, that was her time uh, to be with her dad. And he put it on his calendar. It was always on his calendar. But at the same time, he would do things with just me. And he would tell our kids, your mom comes first. He said, 18 years from now, you're going to leave my house. Yeah. She's still going to be here, you know? That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. So spend time, spend time with your kids and, and, and just your spouse alone too. Yes. So what are three things you would tell other women in ministry who are just starting out? Well, um, the first thing I think I would say is make sure you have your priorities straight. And that is your relationship with God has to, has to be top priority. Because again, if you're not right with him, um, you can't be the right, if you're married, you can't be the right spouse either. Um, those two things are very closely related. So, so God first, your marriage has to be second um, and your marriage and your family, they have to come before the church. And that's very hard uh, to do, but it's, and I think it's even harder for the man, if it's a pastor or, or youth pastor, or whatever, associate pastor. Um, in fact, I know of a lot of, of ministers, wives who are very hurt because they feel like they're competing with the church. Right. Um, yeah. God instituted marriage a long time before the church was formed. And you, you typically, ministers move with some frequency. It's, it's fairly rare for a minister to be at one place for 30 years, yeah. you know? It, but hopefully your marriage will last that long. So why would you devote, why would you put something else that's not going to last as long above your marriage? And I, I got to tell you, when, when the church forced us out, uh, when that church made us leave and it was so devastating, my husband and I survived because our marriage was incredibly strong. Wow. And the number of times we would just wrap our arms around each other and say, 
you've got me, I've got you, it's all we've got. And if, (laughs) but our marriage had always been top priority for us. Mm -hmm. And so we got through the intense pain um, because we had always made it a priority. So the first thing I would say was make sure your priorities are right. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing is I really encourage ministry couples to build a network of friends outside of your church family. Of course, you need to have good relationships within the church, but you need to stay in touch with your seminary friends, with your seminary professors, um, build an active, healthy network of people who know you and love you Mm -hmm. and will be there to support you when times get tough in ministry and they will get tough in ministry and you need to to keep that network alive you don't want to get to that point where oh my gosh you need people around you to pour into you to suddenly think I don't have anybody you know so build that network and and today with social media the way it is with with our iPhones the way they are, with text messaging, there is no reason why so we true. cannot build and maintain a very healthy network of, of people outside of the church. So um, true. So I would I, I strongly encourage that and to keep mm. that network strong and healthy, stay in touch with people. And then the third thing I would say is to pay as much attention to your mental health as you do your physical health. Um, Have a therapist or a counselor. um, And this goes against the way a lot of people have been raised or even a lot of way people think today. Um, And and I got to admit, when I was much younger, this was a foreign concept to me. Ministers just should not see a counselor. I mean, my goodness, they're spiritual leaders. They ought to have Mm. it together. I'm totally on the other side of of, now. I am I'm an advocate of of your mental health and and finding a Christian counselor um, or therapist have an introductory visit with them. You may be having the greatest time of your life. Go ahead and select one, meet with them, say, hey, I just want to visit with you. I want to get to know you so that when the time comes and I need you, I'm not trying to find somebody. And so, um, and nowadays, one one of the things that good things has come out of the pandemic is virtual visits with a therapist yes. are common. So you don't have to, I mean, I know a lot of ministers would worry about, oh, I don't want anybody to see me walking into a counselor's office. What would people think? Right. Well, now just do it from the safety of your own home mm-hmm. and, and you can do it virtually. Um, so I really, I just strongly say, boy, find somebody in, I mean, go see them at least visit once a year you know, or whatever, get a checkup. (laughs) Um, And especially if your insurance covers it, um, make use of that. If your insurance doesn't cover it, then set up your budget where maybe $10 a month, you put that into a mental health fund uh, or 25, whatever you can afford. But 
make that uh, a priority to take care of yourself mentally. And so there are lots of great books out there you can read about staying healthy mentally, um, be intentional about what you listen to, what music you listen to, what you read, just really be aware of staying healthy mentally um, and, and, you know, make that a priority because it's certainly, <sighs> we have to be careful in this day and time and ministry can sometimes be so painful um, that it can be detrimental to us. So Yes, I think those are three things that are so important. And so, you know, women so need to hear. Um, and, you know, I, even when we were walking through our, you know, church hurt, I found another woman, she was a counselor and she, I didn't know when I found her at the time, I, I found out when, when we had our first meeting, she's a pastor's wife. And it was just, I mean, she has helped me walk through the, the church pain because, you know, she knows church. She knows as a pastor's wife. And, and it really was such a valuable thing yes. um, to walk through. And I connect with her off and on. And um, so I think, like you said, I was maybe when we were first starting out ministry, I was of that, you know, I don't know about that. And now I've come full circle. Yes. That it's such a healing thing and processing. Mm. And so I think those are, are great things. Um, so what is one piece of wisdom that you would leave with somebody who's listening and has been through a big church hurt or forced termination? I know there's probably so much you could say. <laughs> um, I would just encourage them that they're going to survive and that God's not through with them. Mm. Uh, no, no matter what they've been through. Um, God is not through with them. And if they will uh, commit to healing and allowing him to heal them, however that might look like, um, every story would be different. But God will use what they have been through. Mm. He just, he doesn't waste anything. Um, and, and who knows what it's going to look like. And um, I, when, when I was probably at my lowest and um, I had reached out to a counselor and he wasn't in the office, but his secretary took my name and number and he called me at our home that night. And the one thing I remember him saying to me is you're going to survive. And I, that got me through a long time. Um, okay, I'm, I don't think I'm going to, but he says I'm going to survive. So I'm going to hang in there. And, and that's so true. And that's, so that's what I, I want to encourage um, other people is, is that I'm living proof that you can survive the worst imaginable church hurt. Mm -hmm. And God is faithful um, in ways you don't understand, but he truly is faithful and um, you can trust him. That's amazing. It gives me such joy and I get so excited. And that's why I do this because there's people that need to hear your story and your voice and it gives them hope. And you know, even as you're talking, I just feel like this truly is that, you know, that Joseph moment where it's like what, you know, what you meant for evil, the, the Lord meant for good. 
and that you've started this pastor's hope network and such a valuable ministry that is so needed. So it just gets me excited, you know, hearing you say you're going to survive and God is going to, he's not done with you. He's doing something in you. And that's right. Amazing. Yes. And, and my, I would really guess that anyone who listens to your podcast, if they haven't been through it, they know somebody who has the, the statistics are that high. Um, and, and the, the statistics say that nearly one out of three ministers goes through termination. It's just, yeah, it's an incredibly high statistic. We just, people don't talk about it. Um, but I, I use the, uh, academic research of a professor out at Texas Tech University and his area of expertise, his area of research is the traumatic impact of termination on a minister's family. That's what he studies all the time. And I trust his work because he does it from an academic standpoint. So it's very, um, he it's very qualified, but that's what his, his research show was nearly one out of three. Wow. So even if somebody hadn't gone through it, they probably know somebody who has. Wow. And I'm going to put the link uh, to Pastors Hope Network in our show notes. And I actually would love Great. to list it I just as a resource on the Joy for Ministry page. I have a resource. Oh, for please her. do. So that would be great. And also I'm going to put moving on surviving the grief of forced termination in the show notes as a link um, and share that as well. And like you said, even if you haven't walked through it, but you know, somebody that has, that would just be such a great gift to give somebody. If you hear about this and you know, somebody that's walking through it. You know, that is one thing I thought about when I wrote the book, it provides a ten, something tangible that that a, a church member can do, because if I mean if a, if a church member finds out, oh my, you know, associate pastor was let go or the senior pastor was let go, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say, and and the book really is a tangible way of saying it's kind of like your covered dish. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do, but here, this this right. maybe this will help and. Uh, so anyway, right. it is something tangible that people yeah. can do. And you don't know when somebody is going to need it. So it's there. You Somebody might need it tomorrow or a year from now, but you have this resource that it's like, this is here for you for when, when it's needed. Yes. And it's, it's such an important thing. So you do so much in caring for others, Pastors Hope Network. What is a way that you get fed? You care for yourself. Well, spiritually, I'm part of a Bible study group um, that's interdenominational. Um, so, and these ladies have just become friends. Uh, we do it through Zoom right now because of the pandemic. Um, but I've done that for, for myself. But what I, what I do, I have a treadmill and that is my time. I walk on a treadmill every day um, and I watch my favorite TV show while I'm walking, but uh, that's like my 45 minutes of me time Mm. that number one, it keeps me healthy and it really does exercise, really does do a lot for your mental outlook. 
Um, so it really helps me as well as it's just my, my me time. Right. So, um, that's what I do. That's good. And I love that you have your show on. It's like that. Oh, yes. I can't. I know you would think that I would, you know, a lot of people like, oh, run outside or walk outside. I'm like, no, I have to be distracted because <laughs> I'm really not an athletic person. I'm not one of these, you know, gets into the Peloton kind of workouts yeah. <laughs> or whatever. No, no. It's just I, I, I'm on my treadmill. It's on, it's on my feet. Have to keep going. And I have a TV show to, to keep me uh, distracted from the fact mm. that I'm actually working out. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so excited you, just to get your message out and to put your um, book in the show notes and just to send out your story because uh, hearing other people's stories makes us stronger, um, just empowers us, and it makes us know that we're not alone. So thank you so much for taking time to share today. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for the invitation. I was very honored. I've enjoyed it. Oh, me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. We are going to put some information in the show notes on Pastors Hope Network and Deanna's book, Moving On. If you need prayer, please go to our website, joyforministry.com, or you can email joyforministry at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and walk alongside you. Come back next week for another episode. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, please rate us and subscribe. Also, share us with your friends. See you next week.